Hey, Karen. So, surprise! Um, this week's episode was uh, one of the one of the marathon two hour ones. Yeah, surprise! I guess I knew it was coming, but I didn't think about it to to remind ourselves last week. This was like the February sixth season. <laughs> sweeps episode and you might not have been able to tell that because of like the garbage storylines that were going on but yeah yeah this was uh this was one of their big attempted ratings grab double episodes and so so, um now it lives on so when i fired i can't believe anyone else on hulu is watching it but us at this point well i mean yeah so okay so when i fired up the hulu and i saw 90 minutes i was like what what and first, first of all, I was like, I was like, oh my god! But Doug always warns me. And oh, I didn't. Oh, that. Oh, that makes me feel bad. Oh no, I didn't realize that that was like a responsibility that I just shirked. Oh no. I was like, oh, Doug always warns me. And then I went, but why the fuck is there a two-hour episode in right now? It's not like we're at the midway point. It's not like we're, you know what I mean? But okay, like it was, it was this sweeps episode, so that makes sense now. Yeah, they basically did that, and I don't know if they did it in its final season, but otherwise, I feel like they had it one in November, one in February, and then the finale in May every year where their two-hour sweeps things. And they probably did well until now. I think the ratings are, like, shitty throughout season six and seven for the Like, at this point, our ratings have completely tanked. I think so. Okay. I think everyone is just writing this out. Because, I mean, hilariously, you know big sweeps episode of course is going to have a wedding but i mean (laughs) the most jerk off wedding attempt i've ever seen but i mean you know and we will get into it but i mean i almost lost my freaking mind when amanda said to kyle well we've got to plan a wedding it's in five days (laughs) yeah i think we'll get to it but she says something like our wedding's in five days we still have to invite guests. We have to invite the guests. Our wedding's in five days. But it works out because, as we'll also say, we never see the guests. So yeah. there could have been 200 people that showed up with four days' notice, or there could have been two. Yeah. I mean, at this point, too, I, like, I just feel like they've all given up. Don't you kind of feel like they've given yeah, up? Yeah. It's like they're not even trying. Yeah. Like, they're like, oh, oh, it's sweeps episode. We need a wedding. But we don't want to do a wedding. So we'll just... Maybe we'll just like kind of half ass do a wedding. Yeah, I mean that they like ten percent asked it. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So where should we start? So I think we. I want to save all of the Kyle and Amanda Taylor stuff. Okay. Um, I think that that should be where we end up. Um, we. I mean, let's do like the Peter and Lexi bullshit with Coop and Megan first. Okay. Um, um, so, so yeah. spoiler alert, but it's not a spoiler because now is the point in the podcast where I should just come clean. I like, I fucking hated this episode. Like I, as I kept taking notes, I was like, I hate every storyline. I hate every character right now. Like it's just so labored. So I, can- I can already tell you, I'm going to sound really negative. So if I sound unduly negative as I'm like recapping stuff, just feel free to interject with, with some, you know, Positive spirit light. cheers. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's my question. Do you hate it enough where it's like, are we still saying at least it's not season four? Again, I still like season four more. Wow. 
because we still had better actors. Wow. That is true. That is true. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I hated the episode as much as you did, but I think that I'm sort of, they're, they're losing me, uh, sort of every episode as every episode crawls along, they're losing my support more and more. Yeah. I'm, and I could be wrong. I'm inclined to think once you see where like their next couple storylines go, you will have even less sympathy for the devil. That is this show. All right. Again, I want to see this show through, but I'm angry at it. Okay. <laughs> Actively. I'm mad. I'm mad at it. I'm mad. <laughs> but if there's something that I think is stupid and you don't, you are the one person who can turn me around and, and make me like a little bit more as you have done. So. Oh, man. I'm going to have my work cut out for me this one, though. I think. Well, you know, if you can't, you can't. I know. All right. So we are on season six, episode 19. Last train to Baghdad. Two hours with commercials. Uh, 90-ish minutes without of pure agony for Doug. <laughs> pure, pure agony. All right. We may finally be overstepping a bit. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's just not. It's just not good. <laughs> All right, so kick it off. Where are we starting? All right, so uh, we start at Peter's house at the marina, and based on another storyline, what's what someone has said in another scene, I'm of the belief that it is 1 a.m., and yet there's knocking at Peter's door, and it's Mr. Sterling showing up. Um, and so Lexi's like, oh, Daddy, it's so great to see you. And um, she goes off to make him some coffee. And while it's just Peter and her dad alone in the vestibule, he again says that he doesn't like Peter. And Peter finally starts growing a spine and he tells him to back off. Um, and the dad is like, I don't care how many times you've been arrested for murder. You don't scare me. I loved how they did finally bring that up. I'm like, all right, at least Peter deserves this. <laughs> and then Peter's like, you know what? I'm going to look into your secrets as well. And that's why you're starting to look a little nervous. And then Mr. Sterling is like, well, Coop never acted like this. And I'm like, yeah, well, Peter also never started an affair with a comatose woman. So what do you, what do you want? Um, <laughs> and most of these like pissing contests between Peter and Mr. Sterling. And as much as I like, don't root for Peter, I'm like, Mr. Sterling is like the clear, like mustache twirling bad guy in this storyline. Um, but it's Lexi has not been aware of really like what a jack off Mr. Sterling has been. Um, so, so this is the first time that Lexi comes back from the kitchen and, and like sees animosity and, and she chooses to stick up for her father. Uh, and Mr. Sterling is like, never mind the coffee. I'm going to go. He p came to pick up the papers that Lexi and Coop had signed about this like dumbass company that the, these two unqualified buffoons are going to be the CEOs of. Um, <laughs> And he's like, so never mind. So far with you. It's like, even though I came out of my way and it's 1 a.m. and all you have to do is hand me a piece of paper, just give it to me tomorrow. I'm leaving. And and Lexi afterwards is like, Peter, this is your problem and you're going to have to fix it and make, th make things nice with my dad. Which is the first and not the last time in this episode where I'm like, you know what, Peter, just give it to Lexi. Like, she's an idiot and she's dead weight and you're bending over backwards for her and like for what yeah, i mean i don't understand this coupling at the moment like it's all kind of like 
oh, he's like, but Lexi, you're the love of my life. And I'm like, but why? What does she bring to the table? Absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah. And as Alyssa points out, like, they just keep changing her and changing the character, too, which Peter can stand by her, but makes it even more whiplash-inducing to watch. Yeah. So, like, yeah. who cares? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Peter shows up to uh, at the hotel of Mr. Sterling. He's at his hotel room, um, and he's going to record the conversation so Lexi can really hear for the first time the kind the way that her dad is talking to Peter. And again, it gets heated quickly. Um, <laughs> Mr. Sterling brings up how. Coop was a good man. Yeah, it's always about Coop. Like, Coop was always such a great guy. So I'm like, how much ass did Coop really kiss for him to look past everything that happened? Um, and and then Peter says, well, Lexi loves me. And Mr. Sterling keeps threatening him. Um, and then all of a sudden, Mr. Sterling, who is like the epitome of, of fitness, um, clutches the, the back of his head and and collapses. So Peter calls 911, and um, and that's the end of the scene. And I'm thinking, oh, was it a stroke? And then we come back and we see at the hospital, and we get our answer. It was a stroke. Why, yes, it was a stroke. <laughs> so Megan is there as Lexi arrives because both Coop and Peter are there. I don't know if they're tending to the father or just there observing if they're... they're I don't it's know if they're in the tell. room, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and very quickly after Megan basically tells Lexi this, both uh, Peter and Coop come out and they're like, your dad died of a stroke. We're really sorry. Yeah. So then she sobs and, and boy, does Jamie Lunar overdo it. Um, and while the two of them are comforting her, a nurse brings out Peter's suit jacket and hands it to Megan. This jacket is the one that has the tape recorder with uh, the tape that... Um, that basically has Mr. Sterling's last words on it. Yeah. And and include the the like the sound of his thud. <laughs> his <gasps> thud. Yeah, or whatever he did. What yeah, yeah, whatever. Um so the next morning Peter comes out and Lexi is sitting on the lanai, whatever, overlooking the marina, um, to see how she's doing and, and she's dressed for the occasion because she's wearing like lingerie, but it's black lingerie. Yeah, I noticed um, that too. She was in like this black sort of silk, but it was kind of like Italian grandmother ass. Yeah, it was definitely like that yeah. kind of grieving yeah. chic. Yeah. Yeah, grieving chic, um, yes. Um, and she says, yeah, I'm going to go to Cleveland for my father's funeral and Coop is coming with me so you don't have to go. And it's like, grow up, Lexi. Like, Peter is the one you're with and he wants to be there for you. So if you don't want Peter there, if you want to reject him, then then say goodbye to Peter. Right. Um, and Peter himself lies and says that uh, her dad's last words were about how much he loved Lexi. And, and then he says something about uh, how, how he wished that he could have gotten to know him better, which lies. Okay, so then lies, Megan, lies. Megan, who now has her own office, because she is not just receptionist, but office manager in um, one of the quickest advancements I've seen in an office. Um, She's she's transcribing Peter's notes because he's recorded for all of his patients. Um, 
and she drops the recorder and then I guess there were a bunch of tapes in Peter's bag or something. And she goes, Peter, why can't you be more organized? Which it's like, I don't really think that was the issue here, but okay. Um, and then she pops in the tape and here's the exchange when Mr. Sterling dies. Um, and then, well, actually, I guess Coop pops into the office before she has a chance to press play. So she's kind of set off because she's also snippy hearing that Coop will be going to comfort Lexi and leaving her. Um, and then she hears the exchange and, and switches the tapes around. So she holds on to the evidence. She puts a different tape in the recorder and plays dumb when she hands it to Megan. There's like a slight bait and switch where Peter comes in and says, what's going on to Megan? Like he's on to the fact that she might be doing something duplicitous, but he's really just like, supposedly saying like what's up with my schedule for this afternoon um behind closed doors peters destroys the tape that he thinks has the recording um and I, as he did that i thought well i hope that's a tape that megan has already typed the notes up because otherwise poor patient yeah <laughs> that patient is dead <laughs> we'll never know how to treat that patient <laughs> but i mean Honestly, I don't I don't know that they treat patients in that office anymore. Yeah, it's uh it's it's not medicine as I know it, but no. uh who's to say? Okay, so now we're in Cleveland at the funeral which has just taken place and Lexi is crying again. Um and I I remember thinking I don't know why she'd be there, but I wish that Kimberly's mom was here. Oh, that would have been Oh, that would have been the cherry on top, wouldn't it? That would have been that would have been a, a, a something nice something extra. Yeah, we like something extra too. That's a great yeah. idea. I would, they they didn't hire me. They I didn't, didn't apply, hire but you. they didn't hire me. I know. So so we don't get that. Um, and Coop says that that they need to go out. He'll take her out. So they go to McGinty's, an Irish bar, which is also the name of the bar on Fraser that Martin Fraser Crane's dad always went to. That was like the local pub that he always mentioned going to. Um, so Coop again apologizes for having cheated, said her daddy was the best friend in the world. I mean, he must have kissed up to him so much. Um, and they like basically again, bury the hatchet and said she'd like to count on him as a friend. Um, and, and they're trying to figure out like what might have precipitated the dad's stroke. Uh, Coop doesn't understand how it could have happened he was such a healthy guy they're like it must have been stress so maybe there was a huge argument or something i mean so, okay yeah okay but that's not how that i works. mean people do okay. people drop dead <laughs> i know people drop dead from strokes <laughs> you know you don't have to have an argument but anyway it's fine yeah <laughs> no they're really they're really um encyclopedia browning this but also i know that 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 was definitely making me kind of like this storyline made me nuts. I will, yes, this storyline made me nuts. Anyway, go on. <laughs> well, I will, and, I'll, and and as we get a little bit further, also say something else that I think is an error, aside from the whole thing. But, yeah. um, okay. At the, I guess it's at the upstairs, Megan and Jennifer are having a conversation. Um, and Megan's, like, trying to get anonymous advice about, like, what she's doing with the tape. So she talks about a fake movie and basically, like, plugs in her real-life situation. She's like, in this movie, you know, this character is keeping a secret from someone, and it could end badly if she says this, but what should she do? And 
and Jennifer's like, well, how did the movie end? And Megan's like, I don't know. I fell asleep. What should I do? <laughs> and Jennifer's like, and Jennifer is giving a lot of advice in this episode. I will I, yeah, I'll she say is. right here. All of a sudden, she's a sage. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and Megan's, or she says to Megan, you know, eventually you're just going to want to share the secret. So you might as well just say it now. And she's like, is there any edge you can get by doing blackmail? And Megan's like, no, but it could mess things up for me and Coop. Um, I mean, yeah, Megan. Also, they always, and Alyssa has agreed with this, they make Megan the moral compass. And then she ends up making, like, the dumbest decisions that screw things up, as opposed to, like, some of our other people who've, like, like a Taylor, whose cards are very clearly on the table all the time. Right, Um, right. But but Megan has this holier in that than thou thing. So then Megan does tell Peter that she knows about the tape and that he needs to tell Lexi the truth. Um, and he's like, "Well, no, I'm not going to do that. And also, you need to give me the tape." And, he, and and to push her, he tells her, which is probably right, that Lexi will just go running back to Coop and he will leave Megan if she finds out the truth. And Megan's like, "No, I'm going to do what's right." Um, and the, like the thing is here, Peter has not been the bad guy. Peter did not cause right. Lexi's he, dad's death. Yeah. Like yeah. Lexi's dad came cross country and kept showing up in the middle of the night, being like, "I fucking hate you. You're you're not good enough for my darling criminal and actually, daughter." And, like, and the argument kind of backs up Peter. It, do, yeah, do, if she actually listened to it and listened to it with a clear head, she she'd be like, "My father was really over the top and instigating stuff and was really crazy." Yeah, like, like that's, Peter didn't yeah. do anything wrong. It wasn't like something went awry that caused Mr. Sterling. It wasn't to do like this. he showed up with a gun no. and shot him, or like you no, know, or like bludgeoned like, him with something. And or, it wasn't yeah. like Peter showed up and trying to blackmail her dad for some reason for his advantage or anything either. Like right. the dad was a jerk all around. Yes. Yeah. So I don't understand why Peter is working so hard to hide this. Well, I do think Peter knows that Lexi is such an idiot that this will not work out <laughs> for him. Anyway. Not because of reason, just because of her. Just because. But, um, but yeah, and then this is when they really start to act like fools. Um, you know, as Peter is talking to Megan in her office, Coop and Lexi come back from Cleveland. And so they don't really cover themselves that well. So Lexi is a little suspicious. Um, and you know and then they're all at a dinner that we're going to get to later um and pete and lexi sees peter and megan acting a little suspicious again because peter is asking for this tape um and so lexi knocks on megan's door and pries her for more information about peter um and she keeps chipping away at Megan. So Megan finally takes out the tape and Lexi, because I guess her hands are broken and she's used to everyone doing things for her. I don't know how she even cooks. Asks <laughs> Megan to play the tape for her. Um, so Peter actually hears, or he like comes in and hears Megan in the office playing the tape for Lexi. Uh, like Peter basically hears this right as the stroke hits in the recording. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Lexi storms off and says, of course, that she can't stand the sight of Peter. Um, and Megan calls Coop and he's like, um, oh, she asks, she's like, why don't we go to the beach? Or why don't we do something? And he says, I'm going to stay by Lexi's side. She needs somebody. 
So Megan is irked. Peter knocks on Coop's door saying, like, have you seen Lexi? She wasn't home and I'm concerned. And he's like, yep, she's in the bedroom. Not to worry. I crashed on the couch. She's right here. Um, and Lexi's like, Peter, just leave me alone. And I'm like, "I, you can leave. Like, Lexi, then just leave. You're mad at Peter? Peter, who has sacrificed his own life and career now for you and your dumb crimes? Like, enough. Enough. Mm, like, then that's leave. That's true. That is true. How quickly she forgets. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's everything with them. And I just think it sucks. But mostly, I've never disliked Lexi so much as I do in this episode, which is now 110%. And I'm pretty sure that there's no turning around from here. When you have me feeling oh, really? bad for Peter, when you have me rooting for Peter, you know you are bad. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And she's not like the fun bad. I that's the thing. No, she's, she's not, not fun, fun bad. bad. No. She's really no, not. No, she's she's petty and spoiled, which isn't you know like um you probably never saw a different world. Oh, so, I did. I love that show. So, like she should be like Jasmine Guy's character Whitley was it Whitley Gilbert? Yeah, it was Whitley. Like, I want Lexi to be Whitley. But she's not fun spoiled. She's just a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I'm like, off with her head. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I'm just like, kick her to the curb. Just kick her to the curb, Peter. Kick yeah. her to the curb. You don't need that. She's She and Coop can go off together. Yeah. Um, I will say they don't do that because Lexi is on to the very final episode. Oh, boy. But I will also say this. Her character basically does a 180 in the final season and becomes very different yet again. Really? Yeah. I don't know if it's for the better. It might be for the more entertaining. It's like, I don't know. I guess the, I guess the writers didn't know what to do with her. I think they didn't know what to do with her. But also, um, they have fewer characters on the canvas in the final season. So I guess they like... Everybody ran. Rats from a sinking ship. Yeah, they, no, they, they they really do flee again at the end of this season. <laughs> and no, they couldn't put, and no actor in Los Angeles would, <laughs> no. would come back to replace them. No actor, there was no actor in Los Angeles. <laughs> they were like, no thanks, we'll starve. <laughs> they were like, I'd rather not work, thank you. Oh no, I'd rather wait tables. <laughs> oh, um, you know what I realized in looking at the episodes? The, I think they count as season six episodes, but I think because the ratings were so low, there's only like seven more episodes to go before there was a huge break in the season. Okay. I think in March of this season, they, they like aborted it. So they dangled the final seven episodes of season six and, and then like just threw them out over the summer. And then just led right into the official season seven episodes. So a lot of this stuff doesn't get resolved until what almost feels like the beginning of season seven. So they kind of crammed. So basically they ran season. Well, what would be the remainder of season six into season seven? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What did did they think that it would like help with momentum or something? Maybe. Maybe, or maybe they just thought, you know what, we're not going to get any good ratings in April and May, so let's, p- maybe they plucked a new show in that time slot, I don't even remember. Okay. Um, 
maybe they tried to do something else with Ally McBeal instead and make it a, a two hour thing. I don't know, but it must have been really dismal. Wow. But maybe too late to pull the plug or they were like, let's give it one more season. I don't so, know. At this point, so we have a few episodes to go before we hit that point where mm-hmm. they moved everything to, mm-hmm. to the summer. Okay, I was just yeah. kind of curious if they like kind of looked at this as like a cliffhanger that held you off until the summer. There is a cliffhanger where they do that cutoff. It's just not here. It's not here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay, so who is next? Are we like with Michael and that whole? Yeah, crazy we should scene? do that. And it's like. I mean, I found this storyline exhausting, actually. How long does this storyline even last? Like, does it continue? I had no recollection of it, so I want to say it doesn't last more than a couple episodes. Okay, because this was also terrible. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is really terrible. I mean, it was extraordinarily terrible. Yeah, so the the saving grace here is that uh, Rhoda herself, Valerie Harper, is still on as Mama Mia Mancini. Um, and it's very sad because as we're recording this, it's just a couple days since her longtime co-star Ed Asner passed away. Yeah. Um, the the last of the OGs from the Mary Tyler Moore show. Um, t- together, they were two of the great TV giants. So, um, so, but there's nothing she can do to lift this up to save it. No. She can breathe some life into it, but that's about it. So, okay, so she's still in town, and she's bailed Michael out. So Michael comes to Peter and says he needs $500 and that Peter owes him. And they sort of like reference some of the shitty things they've each done to each other. Uh, And Michael admits that it's for his mom. Um, And Peter gives it to him. He writes a check and he goes, consider it severance pay. (laughs) Now, um, Michael asks to be assigned some extra shifts so he can make more money. I'm not sure how it works unless it's overtime, but I thought surgeons were basically a salaried full-time position. I have no idea how this works. I don't know how it works. I'm not sure the writers know, but I can defer to them. We'll never get an answer. Yeah. Um, At any rate, so so Michael is salivating. You know, the scent of any money at this point will, will get his attention. Um... So anyway, we'll get to that. This is where we find out that Megan gets her own office and is now the office manager. Uh, Coop comes in and sees that her name is still Megan Mancini. He's like, when are you changing your name? Um, And later, Michael is at the hospital. And he's talking to a patient. And, uh, you know, he's talking, who's from, like, a not great neighborhood. He's from the hood. Yeah. He's talking about, like, women that he works with. I think he said that they get rashes and lesions. And I didn't know if this was supposed to be an HIV reference or an STD reference or not. Um, But he's painting a picture of, like, life in the hood, uninsured people, and saying Michael could make a fortune in cash payments for treating these people all, like, completely. And because he's an idiot, Michael actually starts thinking this is his next big move. So, like, don't take business advice from a rando guy from the hood. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. You know, like, it's a real after-school special kind of lesson here. Yeah. 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 So, you know, Michael, who was chief of staff of the hospital, we assume that he was a very gifted surgeon because that's the only way he could be employed after all of his exploits. Um, You know... 
he is actually going to listen to this rando guy and for a business venture. Yeah. Yeah, this seems like the best way to really make some easy money to him, as opposed to, like, I don't know, maybe getting a part-time job at the Beverly Center. I don't know. Yeah, like, who knows? Like, go go be, like, like a doctor at, like, a country club. Yeah, yeah, don't they have sure, those? sure. You, they, I, having not grown up in a country club uh, community, couldn't tell you, but you're probably right that they do. Or like, do, or, or like, you know, he's in LA. He could be like a private doctor to a celebrity. To the stars, yeah. To the stars. There, I mean, there, there, he has options. Go on the love boat. Oh, go on the love boat. He they had, had well, Doc. But what we're saying go is... Go on a yacht. He has options. Yeah, there's, there options. are options. He has so a he medical license, one... he has options. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, so he picks the option that is the least fun to watch. So, you know, we see them in what I think is like one of the few fun moments of the episode at the beach house. His mom is giving him yeah. a hard time. You know, Michael's whining to put her off. He mentions that he put himself through med school and he he says, you know, I could pay you back, mom, but maybe I should hold on to the money and and let me try and and run this by you. And Jennifer immediately catches on that it's a scam. And there's this playful moment, right, where where they throw a strand of linguine up against the fridge door. And he's like, Ma, until that uh linguini falls off let me listen to you and make this pitch and of course jennifer privately reprimands him for scamming their mom um but it's a little cute it is and then like this moves very quickly uh michael is now in the rough neighborhood showing his mom and his sister the neighborhood where he'll open the clinic that he wants her to invest in the sketchy guy i don't know his name so i just keep calling him sketchy guy Shows up again. <laughs> um, and Michael is like hungering for more investment money. So he tries sweet talking the nurses, nay, the younger nurses uh, at, at the hospital um, to like help fund the new Michael Mancini Medical Center. Um, like he always, he already has branding, he already has signage. Um, they decline. And yeah. then our elder nurse, Nurse Amy, says that she has some money saved and would love to get some more hours and she can help put money into it. And they actually kind of haggle a little bit. And I just, uh, woman, why? I know. But but at least we have Nurse Amy. But it, exactly. That's exactly right. Um, and Michael breaks into Peter's office and he signs a bunch of requisition forms, or I should say he forges a bunch of requisition forms to have medical equipment donated, quote unquote, to charity, but they're being donated right to the Mancini Medical Center. Michael so is the charity. He's not having to uh, actually pay for anything. And Nurse Amy sees right through this. She's like, if this blows up, it's on your head. I love her. I love her. She's our MVP of the episode. Yes, she is. I, I co-sign. Um, uh, so then there's the, the opening. You know, they have like a couple of cheese and cracker trays. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a very sad opening. It's a sad opening. No patients are showing up. Um, then Jennifer and Mia show up. Um, and and Megan joins them. She's yeah. also there. Jennifer calls it a dump. Uh, apparently, Michael's convinced his aunt and uncle to sink money into this as well. Um, 
The mom and thinks then, it's filthy. Yeah, it's like it's, well, and yeah. then she gets a tour, and I guess Nurse Amy is showing her around, and so she privately tells um the mom that Michael must be living off their money because they're all the equipment, uh, the money didn't go to that. That's been yeah. donated, and so the, the mom is lecturing him. You know, Valerie Harper is like, "Be careful, Michael." Um, <laughs> So here is where we finally see what this is all really leading to. Sketchy guy brings an injured guy to the clinic. It's actually a gunshot wound. Um, so Michael's like, okay, I'm going to call the hospital because they need to operate on this guy. I can't do that. And the guy's like, no, this is why we had you create the thing. No hospitals. They'll call the cops. No, you've got to heal him on your own. And the guy pulls out a gun on Michael, so uh, he realizes now yeah. he is over his head, in over his head. Yeah. So I mean, basically, it's like he is like the mafia doc. Right. Instead of a yeah, instead of the mob, it's uh, whatever whatever criminal activity this guy is into in the hood. I'm not sure that it's the mob. Oh, it's not the mob. It's okay. like gang. It's like, it's but I gang. think the yeah, idea it's is like that gang. it's a gang. Same thing. Like you're there. They're your boss. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like a street gang, but like the same idea as the mafia. Yeah, just not fancy Italian suits. Oh, not at all. Mm-mm. No, it's a late nineties, um, whatever. Yeah, grungy sort yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, post grunge, whatever. Post grunge. Re- return to grunge, neo grunge. <laughs> Um, so because of all the stuff happening with Coop that's like putting Megan off, Megan decides to make another stupid decision and, and, and really lean into her soft spot for Michael. So she goes and parks outside the medical clinic and asks him to join her for a bite to eat. She says she's worried about him. Um, she's not wrong. Michael does need someone to take care of him. Um, and but then someone has to take care of both of them because the two of them get held up. Two men get behind <laughs> them and pull guns on them again. But wait, then sketchy guy shows up and yells at those two guys. Happens to be there at the right place at the right time and yells at them uh, to run away. So Michael starts yelling at sketchy guy. He sees right through this. He's like, I know that you you did this, um, but but um, but Michael is caught. He's trapped now busted um and i don't care (sighs) i mean this is the first season where i have ever felt that they really don't know what to do with michael and so they're just doing everything they can with michael you know how like for the last two seasons um that marcia cross was on the show it's Mm -hmm. like they didn't know what to do with kimberly but they knew she was too much of an asset to throw away right so they just did more and more extreme stuff and then right. when extreme didn't work, like split personalities didn't work. It's like, well, now we'll give her a brain tumor because obviously something else has to be going on in that head of hers. Right. It's like, well, Michael keeps doing dumb shit. So we'll have him sleep with Taylor and we'll have him go after a stripper. And now he's going to do like the dumbest like money quest thing he can do. And yeah. it's like, but none of this is, and and don't get me wrong because- Thomas Calabro can still sell it, but but none of this actually taps into like the quintessential scoundrel that is enjoyable, right. Michael. You know, in some ways, I felt like this whole you know clinic in the bad part of town scheme of his could kind of work, 
Um, and it kind of would redeem him for Megan. And so I was kind of like, okay, at first I was like, well, this could be an interesting twist, but they're not doing it right. That's exactly what it is. Like on another show, you could totally do that right. And I feel like this is the kind of thing they've probably done on other shows where it's like in a final season, you do that redemption storyline and you throw your character or your actor, I guess, one final bone of a storyline. And this isn't that. This just feels like that Linguini strand on the refrigerator. Like they just, they just keep throwing Linguini for Mancini. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good, that's a very good metaphor. So I will take that compliment and move us along. Thank you. All right. So now we go to the Billy and Sam storyline, which also has more oh. of Sage Jennifer. Um, I agree with your side. <laughs> Uh, I'm actually thinking you're going to convince me that I hated this episode more than I thought I did. (laughs) All right. So maybe I can, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, you're, you're like trying to get out of the ditch and someone's extending their hand to pull you up and you pull them down instead, right? Yeah, this is kind of it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't know that this storyline will change that, but so, you know, Sam is like Megan and like Lexi on the fast track to a career, hers in advertising. Um, So she's got that client, Jeff Baylor, the baseball uh, player. So she's, they're currently, I don't remember where they are. Orange County. I don't don't remember where they are. I don't know. Somewhere where they have to be in a hotel. So she's in her suite. And remember Jeff has kissed her at the end of the previous episode. Um, So this is also how we know it's 1 a.m. Because Billy has like continually been trying to reach Sam, uh, and she gets a she finally gets a call from Billy. He's like, "I've been trying to reach you for two hours," um, and he's like lecturing her. So she gets mad, even though like she she's the one who's like really entertaining stepping out already on her new marriage, um, and she hangs up on Billy. And then Jeff comes knocking on her door and he apologizes for, for making a pass. Um, and you know what? She kisses him. She <laughs> thanks him for dinner. And then she shuts the door in his face. So whatever balls Jeff Baylor brought with him on this trip, they are blue now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, and this is another part of the tone deaf fallout of writing Craig off. Um, Sam comes back to the apartment. She kisses Billy. She apologizes. She's like, I heard about Craig. No wonder you were trying to reach me so many times. Um, and that's basically all she says about Craig. Yeah. Um, uh, again, who she is at least partly responsible for the death of his wife and his downfall, but whatever. Um, <laughs> And then she talks about how, like, she's made some changes to this ad campaign, and Billy doesn't like these changes. Um, so then Amanda... But Jeff Baylor wanted those changes. But they were suggested to. by Jeff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Billy doesn't think this is a great idea. And it's partly, I think, Billy is right, and partly, I think, Billy is really jealous. So they do go to see Amanda, um, who had been in Santa Fe and is now back, and we will get to that. Uh, and... Billy says that she needs to tell Sam to go back to the old ideas. And then he excuses himself and Amanda, who again, basically blocked every move in the experienced 
Allison Parker's career <laughs> um, says that, <laughs> Sam, look, you're the lead on the account. Um, you've got to make these decisions. And by the way, I'm getting married in five days and I want you to be my maid of honor. And Sam's like, oh, great. I'd be so honored. Thanks. Um, and she's like, I mean, you're basically the reason I'm alive. Moving on. Billy is right. The ideas aren't great. So change them back. Okay. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> change it back and figure out how to make jeff yeah. get on board basically yeah yeah um and so then i think we're at kyle's and jennifer is talking to her mom about like she's still lying to her mom that craig is alive and that billy yeah. is really craig and she happens to see billy again so she asks him to be craig one more time and sam encourages it because she's like yeah like you entertain that you're with another woman because it makes me easy it easier for me in my head to entertain that you know, like, I'm with this uh, attractive, not stupid guy. Um, and Sam is at the office. She's working late at night. We know because, again, all the lights are off and it's dark. Um, and Jeff shows up and frightens her. Uh, and he basically apologizes. He goes, I respect marriage. I'll back off. Um, that's the right thing to do. But there's another, like, parting glance. And it seems clearer and clearer that they both kind of feel the same way. Um, so then I guess, however she has changed the the ideas for this campaign, Amanda has liked it. So Sam, Sam has prepped a romantic dinner uh, for Billy um, in their apartment. And Jennifer is walking with her mom back into the building. And Mamma Mia happens to look right in the window and sees that Billy and Sam are kissing. <laughs> so to her, Billy is Craig. Yeah. So she goes in, she walks right in and punches Billy in the gut. <laughs> and then Jennifer comes through with the truth about Craig and kind of spins it to be like, but but Craig committed suicide and I didn't want to tell you about that, Mom. I didn't know how to tell you. So so they leave and her mom was like, you were doing that just to keep me happy with the unpleasant truth about your poor boyfriend who killed himself. Oh, I love you. And that's basically how how they resolve that end of the storyline and they leave and no one apologizes to Billy who is sitting there for being punched, uh, yeah. to his, uh, yeah. uh. so then mom is away I forget where she is she's at like the Getty Center I don't know some tourist thing uh, so, so it's sort of safe for Samantha to run up and talk to Jennifer um, and we didn't get to see this but at some point Amanda has called Samantha and said that Jeff wants her to be at a photo shoot and while Billy is away at some corporate retreat that we haven't heard about. Um, and Sam was like, you know, I love Billy, but I couldn't wait for him to get out of the house. And I really do like Jeff. And Jennifer's like, well, listen, you clearly like Jeff. So jump into it and keep flirting and indulge your fantasies. And eventually you'll find there's some flaw with Jeff. And then you come running back to your husband, who's a good guy. That's that's basically how she's saying it, right? I mean, pretty much. Like, I think the idea was, if you so what if you flirt? It's completely harmless. It won't do anything. It, it's just fun to flirt. Right. Like she she's she's not saying leave Billy, but she no. is saying like like do all the flirting you want with this guy. Never saying that like anything bad could happen if this goes too far. Right. 
But I think that she also kind of is saying you've got a great guy with Billy, so just she is. stick she is. with the flirt, but you can flirt, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm asking to clarify because it's a little tricky because she isn't saying, she isn't coming out and saying all of those things, but I still think that's what she means by it. Like, she's yeah. basically rooting for Billy and Sam, but right. telling Sam, keep flirting with his golden god. Right. Um, we go to the photo shoot. Amanda is there and with her cane, um, but she's got to leave early because I think she has like her wedding to go to or something like that. Um, so oh no, I think it's the dinner. dinner. It's the it's dinner, right? Dinner. Sam it's would the be at dinner. the wedding. Yeah, it yes. is the dinner. We, don't worry, guys. We'll get to the dinner. Um, so Amanda leaves and she's like, you know, like this is what you got to say to the photographer. Blah 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 blah. Like, I mean, you should have a real account rep. Wasn't Guy available, but whatever. Poor Guy. Um, I think Guy got fired. We haven't seen I, Guy. We in haven't a while. seen Guy. Um, oh, but I do have another question when we get to the dinner. Anyway. Okay. Um, so Sam tries to like leave because it's just too much for her to be around Jeff. Um, and she like runs off to the elevator, but while they're waiting for the elevator, uh, he invites he her out up. to dinner at a pizza joint. Um, so she goes and, you know, he just seems to be real salt of the earth. A couple fans come up to them and it turns out like he created this park for kids where they are. And then like he continues his spiel for, for Sam. He goes, I have daydreams of you. He goes, they're not naughty. Well, not all of them, but I just picture the two of us as a couple. Um, and to which I wrote in all caps, aim higher you know it's basically it's basically like how i feel at this point with peter and lexi it's like no you can do better i don't know much about you jeff but i still know you deserve better um and like you know he seems to be perfect but they do vow to stay platonic can i just um, say something about that yes. dinner yeah yeah Sam um, is oh but there. the pizza dinner oh yeah yeah, the pizza dinner. Sam was sitting there and she was like, oh my God, Jeff, this is the best pizza I've ever had. It was like Chuck E. Cheese pizza. Oh, yeah. I mean, it looked like... It looked it just awful. Looked like, looked like small town pizza joint pizza. It, it looked didn't like look Chuck E. Like, Cheese. It looked really gross. It didn't, yeah, it looked like mass-produced pizza. Oh, can I go on a complete tangent and complain about real-life people that I know that will never be listening to this podcast? Sure. So... Earlier this summer, Alyssa and I went to a friend's wedding, and the it was at like a fairly nice, i.e., expensive-looking, um, you know, like venue. And the cocktail hour before the reception had some nice, like, kind of like buffet-type food. Mm. It, was, it was decent, but then there were also past hors d'oeuvres. Okay. And like they were good and we were hungry, whatever. But so, like, there was like an empanada and that was good. And then they walked around with bagel bites. And then there was something <laughs> else. They don't remember what it was. They had everything but like pigs in a blanket. And we're like, they're serving us Costco food at this wedding. <laughs> I was maybe like, they spent it all on the venue. I mean, maybe, but I'm like, don't, don't they cook all their own food on premises? And a lot of the rest of the food was good. The service wasn't great. The food was was decent. But at least it was like, I could tell, like, they cooked that 150 feet away. But, like, yeah, the, the cocktail hour, it was a lot of, like, I could have stood in line and gotten these samples for free uh, at the Costco. At, at Costco. In the Meadowlands instead. Yeah. 
So anyway, that's my tangent. And I'm actually saying this because I'm not crazy about the bride and the groom. So they'll never know. And I'm not saying their names, but it's just me being shady. All right. Where'd you go? Um, I mean, they were friends. We we don't like them, but there's someone that um, uh, Alyssa has known for a long time. And uh, and to go further... Technically, it was a second wedding because they got married during COVID and actually had people there on site, maskless, not socially distanced. We didn't go to that. But this was like the big wedding and they couldn't get their deposit back so they could postpone it a year. And they're like, fuck, yeah, we're going to have this. So we were like, all right, we'll go. It was like almost easier than... I guess. I mean, I guess the thing, okay, so like I'm trying to teach my dad, who will never listen to this podcast either, this thing, um, which I'm not very successful with, which is I say to him, you do not need to show up to everything you are invited to. Yeah. I don't have that problem anymore. But it's I can hard. understand it. I can understand it. But, but I also but he feel like... like he, he gets but was your dad always things. like that? Well, kind of. Like, he gets invited to... I mean, look, he doesn't get invited to half the shit that you get invited to, right? But he gets invited to, like, family functions. And he, it's always like I say, oh so-and-so invited us to this thing and he gets like really like he gets really huffy and really unhappy and really I don't want to go and finally and and he's and he's like difficult up until and finally I just say like I just like got so fed up and I was like you know you don't have to say yes to every invitation that sort of like comes across your desk you can say no I'm busy I don't feel like it I'm not up for I'm not up for it you don't even have to give an excuse you just say oh that sounds lovely I'm so sorry I won't be able to make it Boom. That's but it. Was, well, my thing is, I'm 42 now, and I'm already in I don't give a shit mode. I assume once I'm your dad's age, I will only be double that amount of I don't give a shit. So I'm sad that he's not more in, le- into that. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't remember. I honestly don't know if when I was younger, if he had this sort of, because, you know, because right now, because he's old and like a mess like i'm julie the cruise director for him so like you know so i'm fielding like invitations from my family on his behalf um about like you know this thing or or that thing or whatever and like what's really really frustrating is like he he says yes to these things i know he doesn't want to go he's miserable about going and then sometimes instead of just saying no in the first place he cancels at the last minute And I Um, think that that's worse. That is worse. You know? Especially if they're depending on you being there for whatever reason. Yeah. Like he did it to, um, at my cousin's wedding, my cousin who I adore and I was there and it was beautiful and all of that. But, you know, and I felt like that was like really unfair for her, you know? I mean, granted it wasn't that big of a deal in the backyard of her, her parents' house and it was very casual. It wasn't like it was like a $250 plate sit down dinner and he didn't show up for it. Um, but it still was kind of like, you know, they were counting on you to be here to, at this thing and you, you know, to celebrate there and you didn't, as opposed to just saying, I just don't think I can make a wedding cause I'm physically not capable of it right now. Um, but I wish you the best. You it's, know, and then yeah, there just, are ways, there are right there, and wrong ways to handle. And you, yeah. at some point, have to have to know your own threshold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I don't know. So he just, I get very, very frustrated with him because he's like, 
you know, he doesn't, he just doesn't say no to things and I, things he doesn't want to go to. And then he will, and then I have to take him to these things and all he does is bitch the whole time that he doesn't want to go. So like, I have like, you know, I have, I get an earful in the car and I'm always like, you can say no. Yeah. No, the power of no is one of the great lessons you can learn in life. Yes, it really is. It really is. I mean, that anyway, is, moving on. And, and different people have to figure that out for themselves is uh, the lesson, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. So I think like the next thing that, that like family thing that I'm like, yeah, he doesn't want to go. I'm going to be like, I'm sorry, I can't make it because I'm his ride. Yeah. So ha. Yeah, well, In presumably. Fact, yeah. I, I did that, though, to a thing with my um, recently. And it was partly because, well, partly because I had a little COVID scare. Um, but okay, I was valid, valid and I, I, the results hadn't come back yet. Um, but I was kind of like going, I could probably risk it cause I don't think I have COVID, but like, you know, anyway. Um, but it was at like my cousin's house and like, like she has a lot of steps going in and out of her house and he's a, like, anyway, so I was just like, this has just got bad idea written all over it. And he, but he wouldn't say no. And I was like, fuck. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm just, I have a COVID excuse, so I'm going to use it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you chose wisely. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, moving on. So, so guys, that was our, our big tangent. Yeah. So PSA, it's okay to say no. Yeah. Take care Again, of you. Doing this for you. Yeah. Take care of you. Um, All right. And Jennifer continues to take care of Sam. So we will we will talk about the wedding next. But after the wedding, Sam and Jennifer Speaking are talking in the no. <laughs> Yeah. Get to that. Um, you know, Sam is like, marriage just makes everyone crazy. And, and I'm like, okay, but you don't know that much about marriage because you got married four and a half minutes ago. And you've spent most of your time separated. Um but also, I'm glad your near-death experience has really uh, shown you priorities in life. Uh, so Sam is saying that she and Billy haven't slept together in weeks. And Jennifer does, con- she continues to push Jeff on Sam. She's like, just keep up the flirting. Like, this will be good. Like, you can, like, exercise your fantasies and then come back and, like, eventually you guys can recommit to each other. Again, doesn't say those words, but that's what I think she's getting at. Um Meanwhile, we have another scene at the upstairs and Kyle at first is talking to Jennifer a little bit and then she sees Billy and lends an ear um, and and she goes, you know, you can trust Sam, but you need to give her space and if you ever need a friend, I'll be there. So it looks like maybe Jennifer will also continue to be giving advice to um, Billy in addition to Samantha. Maybe she's doing Jennifer de Bergerac. Mm-hmm. I see this as they're setting up the big breakup between uh, Sam and Bill, uh, Sam and Billy, and Jen's gonna step in. Well, you might be right. I might be right. That's what I see. I mean, all signs things, pointing to that. Things things look like they could go in that direction, don't they? Especially since, like, I don't know, like a couple episodes ago, like Jen was, uh, Jennifer was like saying to Sam you're so lucky he's such a great guy you've got such yeah a guy. that was when she you know? was in the pool yeah yeah like it was kind of she was really laying it on thick yeah all of that happened all of that was real yeah. so um stay tuned there 
And now we must turn to the most annoying. I don't know. It wasn't the most annoying. It was the most yeah, a, a storyline yeah. of the night. So uh, Amanda and Kyle and Taylor and Christine. Were there trumpets again or no? No, we don't have bugles anymore. So if bugles, you thought you were you. missing them, uh, no. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, we pick up right where we left off uh, in Santa Fe at Christine's door. Um, and Christine immediately tells Kyle to leave and then explains that she begged Nick to tell Kyle she was dead. She just wanted him to go on with his life. Um, this whole exchange happens while Amanda's just sitting patiently waiting in the car. Um, and then Christine says, you know, I survived, but I was dead inside. Um and she says she left a letter with his wife in Boston, so that's Taylor. So I'm like, so what's that letter real? How did Taylor not know who Christine was if she had the right. if she had the letter from Boston? Yeah, that made no sense. Well, it does make sense, um, and we get a, a sort of whiff of the explanation at the very end. But first, you have to sit through this whole recap to get there. Um, oh, because I missed that then. Because I thought the okay, whole well, time I'll, Taylor I'll did not you. know about Christine. Taylor had no idea who Christine was. That well, that is that is, that is true. Okay, so I may be actually getting ahead of myself then, because I just because I know more from having watched. All right, it. then we'll just wait. We'll wait. Okay. Well, so we'll just wait. okay, she says we'll Christine wait. says she wants him to go, so he leaves and heads back to the car and tells Amanda it's over. Let's go, and then the next day. Uh, Christine knocks on Amanda's uh, like motel door while Kyle's in the shower and um, says, look, I didn't handle it well yesterday and I want to see Kyle again for closure. And Amanda's like, no, it's not a great idea. But before they go, Kyle does sit down at a cafe, the halfway house cafe with, uh, with Christine. Um, you know, she talks about all of her operations. Christine is also supposed to be very poor, just, just throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Christine has had all these operations, but she also looks exactly the same as she apparently did in 1991, according to all of Kyle's bugle soundtrack nightmares, flashbacks. Right. Um, and then they do this quick little Phantom of the Opera reveal where she pulls her hair back to reveal like three inches of burnt skin right by her ear. It was a very Kimberly moment. Very shades of Kimberly. Totally. Very Kimberly moment. Yeah. Um, but like without the fun, cool factor. Yeah. Um, they catch up on his life. He mentions the jazz club and she's like, oh, that was your big dream. And it's like, OK, if that was your big dream, Kyle, why didn't you do that instead of your restaurant five years ago? Yeah, well, bad timing, I guess. I guess. Jazz wasn't a big deal time. That's ago. true, too. Um, and she tells him again to move on. Um and he comes back and tells Amanda, look, that chapter of my life is officially over. And that's when Amanda is like, good, because our wedding is five days away and we still have to invite guests, which is like <laughs> our weekend trip is five days away and we still have to pack. That's kind of how I would say that, but or whatever. But yeah. then this is this is great. Kyle, they have in their motel, they have the, a fire place in their room and Kyle sees the fire burning. And then he has another flashback and Amanda sees this and goes, she's still in the room, isn't she? Yeah. Uh, But then he turns around and it's not even like they start going at it. He just starts going at it on her and she reclines is basically the way it looked to me. (laughs) 
Um, all right. So now, now they're back. And Amanda's at the upstairs, and Taylor sees her and wants all the dirt. Um, and she's like, I don't believe that Kyle is over it. And Amanda's like, well, look, I invited Christine, but Christine uh, turned us down um, to the wedding. Which is like, did you send her an invite? Because we didn't see you talk again at her house. Like, did you send invites and they already got returned? Um, there's no, I mean, I don't think you're doing evites yet. Um, but anyway, and Taylor's like, you were just doing that to make yourself look good. You knew that she'd say no and you could look like you were the bigger person. Um, and then Christine comes to town. And she acts all friendly and... Um, and she comes to the upstairs and Taylor comes by and is annoying. I don't even remember what she says. She just says something to like create chaos and leaves. Yeah. Um, that seems and, to be the whole purpose of Taylor at the moment. That's, and that's all. Chaos. And that's, yeah, like and that's just, all she exists. Like she's not clips, really a yeah. foil. She just comes back to just like to be bratty. Yeah. Uh, and Christine asks Amanda if she's put off by the fact that now she's in town. And Amanda like, sort of starts to say no but before she can kyle answers for her um so then uh the the jazz duo tuck and patty are there and they start singing this song and christine's like it's our song um and she asks if they can dance so kyle is like okay so kyle and christine dance kyle i wrote in my notes in all caps is so stupid like they have just made him the most brainless fool which, by the way, stepping back to that song, mm-hmm. Taylor rec- Taylor asked the band to play that song specifically and sort of, like, shot a look over in their direction. So how did That's she right. know she did. all this? That's right. She did. Um, well, Taylor may know more than we, than we are told in this episode. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's maybe why. Okay. Um, and Amanda just kind of stands there like the asshole looking at them and shaking her head. Um, so I think what happens is, and we don't see this, but because Christine doesn't have money, she can't afford a hotel. So Kyle decides that she can stay in town and stay with him in his apartment. Well, it's more like Not, stay in his apartment because he's basically with is Amanda. Is it Kyle? Is it because Kyle's with Amanda and yeah, she's staying yeah. alone in yeah. there in his? Okay, yeah. that was my question. Yeah. Um, but she wants to prepare uh, like a thank you dinner for both of them. But Amanda says she's too busy with work to make well, this dinner with Christine. That's when she's at the photo shoot, which is why she left the photo shoot to try and get back in time for the dinner. Right. Yes. Um didn't work it didn't no didn't work um so but they have this exchange on the phone where uh, where where kyle's like well i think i would really rather it be the both of us rather than just me and her at dinner and amanda's like well we wouldn't have this problem if you didn't ask her to stay with you and and he's like do we have a problem and amanda says no i'm not the one with the problem and hangs up so when we go to this, uh, we're in Kyle's apartment at this candlelit romantic dinner. Um, and Christine is like, I basically just spent the last money I have to buy a new tablecloth, a couple bottles of wine and some CDs to play, uh, on your CD, on your disc man or whatever. Um, 
and and she's like it's like nothing has changed and he says a lot has changed and um she's like yes you're getting married to someone else and kyle's like trying to find a way to end this um to make it less awkward but also to like (laughs) but also like to but also like to remove the not so subtle undercurrent that like christine keeps thrown in so he's like we should take our wine and go by the pool and she's like okay i'll meet you outside and uh then she comes down in a new bikini (laughs) and apparently broke girl has a lot of money i mean you know she's got a lot of spending cash apparently did have surgeries to cover her entire body because there's not a burn (laughs) on her her body um and so you know like she's swimming and he's sitting by the pool um you know they have their drinks and this is of course when amanda does come back from that photo shoot and sees this um and she's like not nice but not wrong and she's like you know what we have a no drinking by the pool policy no glass glass could break you know so so she just goes up to her apartment and kyle's like all right let's go let's go back up and and uh we we end the scene on christine's face and she has that kind of like soapy i mean danger like i'm here to cause chaos i guess right on okay so now we're at the rehearsal dinner, the night before dinner, whatever we're calling the dinner before um, Amanda and Kyle's wedding, which is probably the closest we get to having all of our players in one space. Uh, and Taylor is pouring wine for all of them at the table. Um, and I think she calls them the power union of the century or the power couple of the century. Um, <laughs> she doesn't mean it. We've got Christine is, of course, there. Uh, Sam and Billy and Peter and Lexi and Coop and Megan are all there. And Jennifer is there with some random guy to her left. So, like, who is this new non-Craig person that that managed to join the group and be her plus one? And for a second, I thought, maybe it's a guy from the agency. Not necessarily that she would have known him, but I just don't know who else it could be. And it doesn't really matter. This person doesn't do anything. He just takes up a seat at the table. I guess they wanted just to have, like, one more friend. I guess. Like, did you notice that there was this strange guy at the table? I actually did not. I actually totally did not notice the rando guy. I mean, he doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, But yeah, and this is, of course, where Peter and Megan get up and he asks her again for the tape. And that's what, what, what piques Lexi's curiosity even more to lead on to that storyline. Um, Taylor is nasty to Christine. She calls her a wannabe war bride. Um, and then Christine makes a toast, but then in the middle of the toast, she breaks down and runs away. Taylor loves it. The next morning, which is, I believe, <laughs> the, the day, right? morning of the wedding, Christine knocks on her door, on Amanda's door, to apologize. Um and then we have the wedding. So we basically see, I mean, God, there's so much to say. We never actually see the wedding. We never actually see the wedding hall. All we see is in like the bridal suite or the bridal getting ready room, Amanda with Samantha. Um, so I want to hear your impression of Amanda's wedding dress. I couldn't really see it. I mean, well, it's, apart- it's got the fur lining. It's got the fur line. It has like the fur collar and it looked like a bathrobe with a fur collar. 
Yeah, it's basically what it looks like, yeah. You know, and it so it would have been nice to see because it was clearly there was something underneath the bathrobe thing. Yeah. So yeah, or there at least there was, was like, like a, a silk, skirt part or whatever. Yeah. Like it maybe that was like kind of like a sil- a slip dress, like a silk slip dress right, with a cut, right. which would have been nice to I think that would have been it, but I couldn't tell I couldn't see anything. They they weren't showing it. They weren't showing anything. It just looked like right. a robe. Right. And that's basically it. Um, but this is almost all we see of the wedding. Um, what is happening is Kyle is just getting ready on his own at Melrose, like putting on his tux and then just showing up, I guess, the very minute of the wedding. And there's also no sign of a best man or any groom's people for him. Um, he's just at Melrose. So Sam and Amanda are talking about Kyle. Uh, and I guess we're, at this point, right at the time the wedding is to begin, um, and Amanda's, you know, like, convincing herself, but also averring to Sam that Kyle really is the one for her. And then Taylor comes, and this is kind of funny, because it's typical Taylor, and she says, here, I brought you something old. It's a photo of me and Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you I already like have part. something borrowed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that part. You have something borrowed, my husband. Yeah. Yeah. So um and so then Taylor's like, by the way, where is he? People are starting to wonder why everything's so late. And it's like, well, I wasn't under the impression that things were so late. Um but then we are at the the um oh, the apartment and Kyle is leaving. She tells her that her dress is ugly too. Oh, she does because she does say the dress is ugly. Yeah, I mean this is all Taylor is good for. But yeah. it is good. Yeah. And um so then we see Kyle like barely finishing getting dressed uh leaving the apartment complex and he looks up at at his actual apartment which is where christine is saying and the door is open um and he walks in because he thinks something must be amiss and there's a note um and it says something like time to catch my train and end everyone's misery i think so kyle knows exactly what this means he calls uh, Sam at the the wedding venue and asks to talk to Amanda and he goes I know what she's going to do. Christine's going to kill herself by train. I have to I have to go and save her. Just delay people. And that's like basically what Amanda is left with and somehow it's a Melrose, Melrose time warp because Kyle knows exactly what train tracks to go to and is able to get there against LA traffic in yeah. the middle of what has to be actual rush hour. Um <laughs> And he makes it in time. And yep. basically, Christine was sitting on the tracks in her car with the train coming. And Kyle has just three seconds and he's able to pull Christine out to safety while the train does barrel right into her car. Yeah. So, damn. Um, she was literally sitting on the train tracks. Uh, he is a hero. And that's all we see. That's all we see of the rest of that night. We don't yeah. see the rest of the wedding. Nope. We don't see what Kyle does next. What we have is the morning after. He shows up and Amanda's and he's like, uh, sorry again. Um, and Amanda basically info dumps and she's like, well, when you called from the hospital with Christine, I, I told everyone that they should go home. Yeah. 
And she's like, yeah, I think we should postpone our wedding indefinitely. Um, and he's like, no, Amanda. And she's like, you need to get Christine out of both of our lives. Uh, she goes, and here we are, another lonely woman marching out of your past. And it's like, it's not even bitchy. It's just the truth. It's like Kyle has nothing but baggage and he's too stupid to do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, and and um, so then we see in Christine's hospital room, some flannel shirted man, because we just see the sleeve opens the door to, to her hospital room. And it's not really a surprise because we did see his name in the opening credits, or at least I did. It's Nick from Santa or from Dallas, right? Right, right. No, but I will say, you know, not the the perspective, the camera perspective was that serial killer perspective. They oh yeah, it's like the, yeah, it yeah. is very dangerous. Like someone's gonna break in and do some something bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they gave you the serial killer perspective, so it was like you're you're watching Nick walk in through his eyes, you know. So it was all kind of creepy and like, oh, who's coming to kill Christine? Yeah. And then the reveal is, oh, it's Nick. Nick's coming to cr- kill Christine. Right. So what's Nick gonna do? Right. Well, surprise, and she has a smile on her face when she sees him. He takes the chair, and also, like, she has her own hospital room. All right, whatever. Uh, He puts the chair up against the door so no one can interrupt. He starts disrobing and kissing her, and they start going at it in the hospital room on her hospital bed. And she says, I missed you, or I missed this, as, uh, you know, the guitar starts playing, and and they fade out the end of this uh, two-hour sweeps episode so that and that's our our twist yeah that is our twist and that is our cliffy yeah um we need to find out what the hell is that what is going on yeah um so i have one other note that i wrote down let me just scroll back it was a four pages of notes for me which is a lot um i wrote this is the worst sweeps episode ever period (laughs) <laughs> so I just thought I would end with sharing that. Uh, oh God, what was the thing we, we said we would come back to at the beginning of the storyline? And I said, and I was like, but how did? And then, uh, was it about Nick? It ties into Nick. Yeah. Like how how Taylor had the letter. Yeah, I think if we wait till next week, I'm pretty sure it's we're just one episode away from finding out what the hell is really happening with Nick and Christine. And that may answer, I think, that question, among others. Okay. Uh, But I'll just say right now, I hate everything about this storyline and we'll hate it even more as we continue to to watch it unfold. Yeah. And like, I can't I can't say that if anything, you have made me dislike this episode more rather than me having to turn around and say this was a great episode. It was not a great episode. And no. the fact and that this was sweeps is a little like, well, yeah, it's, it's like, it's just every, it's just embarrassment all around. Yeah. It's pretty but, terrible. But well, so, uh, I mean, just to throw more gasoline on the fire, the other complaint slash observation I was going to make is, I mean, if these are going to be your storylines, commit to them in a way that is friendly for serial TV. So I hate the Peter, Lexi, Megan, Coop storyline. But if you're going to have the whole thing where Peter comes up with a plan to go after Mr. Sterling, Mr. Sterling collapses, Mr. Sterling dies, P- 
Peter thinks he's destroyed the tape. Megan hears the tape. Megan doesn't know what to do about the tape. Megan tells Peter. Then Lexi finds out about the tape. Those are all beats that should be in different episodes. Like, this could be a five to six episode storyline, stupid as it is. But to have all of this, like, shrunken into just one episode, that's that's not serial plotting. Like, if you're going to have... A to B to C to D to E to F, then stretch it out over episodes, figure out how to make them cliffhangers, and then provide other stuff within the episodes. But if you're just going to shove all of this in one episode, like you've just got a whole storyline in there. So that's yeah, also why wasteful. Why are they just shoving shit into one episode like this and they're not drawing it out? I have no answer because they didn't hire me. Okay. Like, yeah, like, I'm just kind of, kind of going, like, is this. I mean, are they, were they looking at police procedurals and going, well, they always wrap up that these episodes into a, into a, with a tight little bow, and that's what we need to do now? I don't think so, and I don't even think procedurals were that rampant yet on TV. Uh, you know, this is still pre-SI and pre-Law and Order spinoffs and stuff like that. So I don't even think that's it. I think maybe they were all writing towards a bigger plot development towards the end of the season. And this was just, like, a way to put that in motion. Um, but I think it's wasteful. Because you could have you could have avoided that entire dumb Bob storyline where Lexi hit the guy with the car and just yeah. brought Mr. Sterling in four episodes earlier and just stretched that out. Right. Right. And, and given given – because at this point, we don't quite know why he hates Peter. No, and we never will. And we don't have, like, wouldn't it be great if, like, you know, the dad had files on Peter or, you know, like he had more on him than I heard you killed somebody, you know? And uh, which I don't even know. I looked up your record. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I looked up your record and you killed somebody, which, I mean, he wasn't convicted, right? Wasn't he exonerated? No, but I, well, he, I think he said multiple murder charges, which doesn't mean that he was necessarily convicted. Oh, okay. But what charge, like what murder charge? I don't even remember. Well, Alicia, and I don't know if Bobby and Alicia are two of them. Oh, maybe. But still. I don't know. I mean, but it's like he came in with, uh, Lexi's dad came in with, you know, like those knives sharpened for Peter. And it's like, well, your daughter's not so great. And her ex isn't so great, but you hate Peter, who is like, because we keep having selective amnesia, not really the problem this season. Right. So it's like, if you really want to unearth Peter's history and have him be haunted by his past mistakes, that's one storyline, but that's not what you're doing here. You're just having her dad be a jerk. Right. And to what end? Because all it really does is make me hate Lexi. Have I said it? I hate Lexi. Um, right. Like, at and, least um, couldn't it be like he's worried that Peter's going to go after their money? Or like, I like right. there is no reason to hate Peter. Uh, like that. Exactly. There, there's no reason. No, no reason. Anyway. No. And it's like neither Lexi nor Coop, because they're both new, like have a sturdy enough grip on the canvas for like there to be a shakeup that would matter. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, at this point, I'm just rooting for Peter Peter and Lexi to break up and for Coop and Lexi to get back together and go back to Cleveland. Yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, that's kind and of that's, I mean, that's moment. what everything is, is pointing toward, which is fine. But they didn't all have to happen in one episode. Right. 
Right. So, so here we are. Those were my thoughts. That was our that was our massive episode. Not as much fun as the other February sweeps episodes we've had. No. Again, even in your much reviled season four, uh, you know we at least had Brooke's death. Yeah, that's true. But then we had Brooke's ghost. Okay, but that wasn't in that sweeps episode. <laughs> so that that's all I can say in that in defense of that. <laughs> All right. Well, because this one was a doozy, we yeah, are we're not bypassing go to... the yeah. boulevard this week. We think yeah. you may have had a, enough of us. We're just going to stay on the 405. That's right. Yeah. Forever. Forever. It's what it feels like. You don't like even have to go that far if you stay on it forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Generally, what happens when you get on the 405? Um, okay. So we will see you next week for a new block and also for a new Hollywood Boulevard. That's right. We look forward to the, going back to a double whammy and happy September. Oh dear. And yes. remember you can say no to things. Yes. But we want you to come back and say yes to us. <laughs> yeah. That's your big takeaway. You can say no to lots of things, but you can't say no to us. But not to us. Not to us. That's not allowed. All right, you guys stay good. And we'll see you next week. Back on the block.